Yet again, here's another beauty of service design is that instead of thinking about features or um, 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 different um, aspects of the experience, we have to think about the entire experience because that's how the customer experiences it, right? They don't go onto the app and stay there for the rest of their lives. They go to the app, they go in branch, they go online, and sometimes um, they move in between these quite seamlessly. And we have to create a way uh, to facilitate and enable that. Hello guys, welcome back to another episode. Today we are speaking to Frank Ogagba. Now Frank and I met a couple of years ago um, at one of the big, big financial corporates in Sandton City. And uh, it was a very brief meeting. Uh, I think I was there for a quick job interview. Frank was working there on the team and I think he was supposed to sell me the job. But he failed. Because <laughs> we did not. <laughs> we didn't end up working together. But I kind of knew that I had to keep an eye on this individual, and I'm really glad I did so. Because uh, he stuck around and he he stayed there for um, Accenture. He worked for Fjord when Fjord bought Accenture, of course. And then he relocated to the coast to go work for one of the very renowned startups or now scale-ups here in South Africa, Ikoka, a fintech. And um, we're going to be chatting all things design today. And he especially has moved from a UX capability over to service design, which is going to be interesting. A little bit more business talk. And uh, I'm really excited for this conversation. But Frank, welcome on the show. Thanks, Steph. Thanks, Alfie. Nice to be here. Um, this is definitely my happy place. I, I've uh, <laughs> mentioned to Steph. It's it's really great having conversations with people about design. I'm so keen to get into mm -hmm. it. Amazing. That's amazing. Um, uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty keen for this chat as well because, um, actually at work I've been having discussions with some of the people there, and there's been hints a little bit about you know me possibly transitioning to service design. And um, okay. like, I'm like, hmm, do I really know what that means? Like, I, I know on paper, but what does that mean for my day to day? So I'll be I'll be trying to get some of the some of the down low from you. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I've had to explain it a couple of times, especially at Coca now, as we are scaling the teams. Um, there's a mm. there's a, a such a big need to differentiate between product and service design because there are Certainly, a lot of similarities, um, and, and there is overlap here and there. Um, so, these are the types of conversations I've been having. Um, if I may get into it already, um, I, I, I think some some of the things I, I notice are the key differences are that um, service design is more um, about solving customer or user problems across multiple touch points and um, channels, uh, both physical and digital, mm -hmm. with a consideration for what the customer sees as well as what happens behind the scenes to make that customer experience possible. So um, mm -hmm. I, in my mind, there are different sort of tiers to um, human-centered or creative problem solving. And I think service design is more mm -hmm. about um, looking at looking at it across different channels, across different touch points. I think that's the main difference, yeah. to be honest. Um, and, and, and in my yeah. mind, um, the, the transition shouldn't be too difficult because you are employing mm -hmm. the same design philosophies, processes, and methods, just to a different set mm -hmm. of problems, if you may. Yeah. yeah. 
That's amazing. Um, and I, I want to go. There, there's sort of two questions or two two areas of discussion that I'd like us to to eventually get to, um, and that what what service and you know you've touched on it a little bit, um, and that's what what a service designer does, like actually mm-hmm. their actions and the change that they they they'd like to impact. But then also what it means to be a service designer in terms of the work that you do, because I assume that your your day to day activities sort of change a little bit when you actually step into the service design um, role. But before we get there, let's let's maybe sure. chat a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Um, cool. You know, I mean, each like one of the things that this this podcast has really taught me is that each person's journey to where they are today is absolutely different, even if they're in a similar position right now. Oh, um, so tell us tell us a little bit about the backstory, the the whole superhero origin story. Like, where did you where did you start out? Um, interesting as you mentioned this, uh, this concept of story because I, I think that's essentially where I started off um, storytelling mm. um, oh, in, wow. in my sort of uh, primary high school career I, I was always drawn to this idea of using a visual and illustration and art to tell stories um, and create these um, worlds um, sometimes that existed in my head alone and, and maybe sometimes that didn't resonate and other times that connect. Um, and I sort of had to make this decision around what do I want to uh, sort of build as a career in my life and what are my key strengths? I think at that point I was already inundated with this idea that you should follow your passions, do what you enjoy doing. And for me, that was telling stories through illustration and through art. Um, but I quickly learned that um, there, there's this uh, story floating around that artists uh, don't make a lot of money. <laughs> and um, I, 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 apparently that was one of my highest priorities at the time. So I, I looked into careers. I looked into careers where I could make money and still be an artist. And um, the, the, the one that came up quite often was um, architect. Um, I tried pursuing that. I went and I did a um, a course essentially at um, Inscape uh, Design College, and I think they were based in Rosebank at the time. I think they have a couple of campus campuses. Um, I I loathed it. I hated it. Um, it was just a bit too wow. um, rigid, um, a bit too mm-hmm. uh, procedural, and I think in the world mm-hmm. of, of physics and mathematics, you are bound by what is physically actually possible. And of course. Mm-hmm. I generally don't do well with numbers. So um, <laughs> it was a really yeah, tough yeah. one for me. Yeah. Welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> so, the yeah, club. exactly. I had, to, I had to make a pivot at the time. Um, and um, this, this uh, one uh, particular degree came up. I don't know how um, I, I, I saw it, but it was uh, multimedia design at the University of Johannesburg. Um, what that presented to me was uh, the opportunity to, to get back to that storytelling in a world where mm-hmm. I can tell um, stories not bound by the laws of physics and mathematics and just do um, what I want, um, be as creative yeah. as possible. Um, so as I went and did that, um, I got into that actually wanting to do video. Um, I thought mm-hmm. I would okay. come out on the other end of the university machine as a some sort of a, a videographer, director, animator, something of that sort. Um, got mm-hmm. into that, and this is the aha moment. This is this is the what do you call it in the hero's journey? This is the this was the aha moment. The call to adventure. Um, 
The tipping point. Exactly, the tipping point. Um, <laughs> I, I hear the one of the concepts from this um, hero's journey around the, I think they call it, is it the sage or the, the, the guide. Um, for me, that was mm-hmm. um, a lecturer at, at UJ called Terence Finn. Um, he is uh, kind of now, yeah, I'm seeing a lot He's of like... That's uh, amazing. <laughs> Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the second time a guest has mentioned that name on this podcast. Yeah. We need to, yeah. need to figure out who this guy is. Wasn't Kenny it also our service design chat? Yes, Chanel. It? Yes. Oh, great. Yes. <laughs> great. So, so Terrence Fenn clearly is producing a lot of service designers and uh, design thinkers. Exactly. Um, yeah, that, that, was a, that was a tipping point for me. Um, I remember getting into this module. It was around um, design thinking and human-centered design. And then for the first time, I saw um, storytelling become a method for problem solving. Um, and, and, and that was amazing for me. For me, storytelling is about um, illustrating, bringing to life ideas and concepts that don't exist yet in the world. It, it, it's about mapping. It's about idealizing, um, painting pictures. And um, in human-centered design and design thinking, a lot of it centers around how are you, how might we um, illustrate or bring to life what the, the insights are. How might we bring to life what the current experience is? What is the story of our users? What, what story mm-hmm. is a customer going through? And what are the pain points within, within, that, within, within that story? And then um, sort of t- taking that uh, method and um, using creative uh, methodologies to um, essentially um, ideate on new um, stories and new experiences mm-hmm. and new solutions. And for me, that was uh, such a humongous light bulb moment. And um, mm-hmm. I fell in love. I, I, I thought to myself, mm-hmm. this is actually what I want to do um, with, yeah. with my life. Um, yeah. uh, what, what happened after that was that we had this, uh, we had to specialize um, e- either video or um Design, um, design thinking, or what do we call it? Interaction design at the time. I would call it interaction mm-hmm. design, and it was a no-brainer for me. I went for interaction design, and that's sure. where <laughs> the, that's where it began. Um, that's where my career began. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, it was just a matter of finding finding the right uh, mm-hmm. businesses to work in, um, doing UX and doing more mm-hmm. of it. And from from there, I think I, there's another sort of pivotal point in my story. Um, Got into um, a business called Big Brave. Um, did a little bit of front-end dev. It was a small design house, so um, you kind of had to do everything. Design and um, dev. Yeah. Felt an urge to do more UX design, being the thing that I fell in love with. Um, went to Free Thinking, where I had the opportunity to do more of that. And mm-hmm. I, I think something uh, clicked for me in that space. I really recognized that we were solving problems, yes, um, as a UX designer, I was solving user um, pain points within um, mm-hmm. interactive interfaces, right? But um, mm-hmm. I realized there was like a, a sort of a, a step up in the level of a level of decision making. Um, it was clear to me that there were people I didn't know who these people were that were making decisions around what we should be building, right? So here I am. I'm working on an app. I am um, I am designing the flows. I am I'm alleviating friction points. But um, who 
why are we making an app instead of a web portal? That, those are the types of questions I was asking myself. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I felt that some, some processes could be fixed with uh, simple changes to physical um, um, experiences. And I didn't know who, 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 who was in charge of making those decisions. And um, that's when I sort of discovered service design through Accenture and um, it yeah. began there. Yeah. So it's, it's, sure. it's, it's hilarious that what you're saying because I feel like I went through the exact same thing and that's what eventually led to me um, leaving free thinking at ABSA. It's almost like mm. the, the, the level of resolution that you actually have impact sometimes is already too far down to solve the real problem. Exactly. It's like you need to, you need to swim up the stream to actually resolve the, the problem at hand. But <clears throat> there's something that I, I want to roll back to a little bit that you mentioned. And that was when you're talking about how storytelling allowed you to almost illustrate a problem and then sort of ideate on a possible solution through the storytelling. And I think that's something that's that's so important because in some sense, that's almost what separates humans from all other animals. Brilliant. We've got this ability to like imagine a world, make it as realistic as our imagination can possibly do, and then sort of play out different outcomes and play out different outcomes and, until one of them actually, according to our imagination, makes some sort of sense. Brilliant. And then we sort of try to act that out in real life. And and that's that's sort of the, the one thing that I think, you know, um, well, the majority of animals, I think chimps are the closest ones to, to that are actually able to sort of replicate that sort of process. But I think that's that's something that's so important because, again, stories is one of the things that has been so consistent across human history. Mm-hmm. Like... From the from the earliest stages before we we had like proper functional languages, we still had the the, the cave drawings and we had like um, sort of very rudimentary means of communication. But the format was always stories, and you know yeah. it started out as drawn, yeah. then it got into spoken stories, and then we got into writing, and then we eventually have got into technology and all of these other amazing things. But at the end of the day, like the the fundamental unit of the communication has always been stories. And I think that's one of the things that really speaks to creative people. Yeah, definitely. And I want to actually also touch on um, that, Alfie and Frank. You know, Frank also said using story to solve a problem. And I thought that was quite an interesting uh, way of putting it because usually when we think about storytelling, it's either to illustrate the story of a solution we already have, the -hmm. idea of, to obviously communicate that to whoever the audience is, or it's to tell a story about the past. But Generally, story is not referred to when we think about story can help us frame a problem and be mm-hmm. a tool to find the solution. And I find mm-hmm. that so interesting that you said mm. that. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think these are these are all very brilliant points. And um, I'm just speaking to, to some of the points that have been raised. One of the books I've read that I think have been most influential in, in shaping my thinking was um, this book called Sapiens. I'm actually looking at it right now mm. by um, <laughs> Yuval Noah, <laughs> who's uh, essentially a historian. And he speaks about how one of the most distinct aspects or attributes of Homo sapiens um, is our ability to tell stories and the way we conceptualize worlds that don't exist in our heads and we communicate them and it, it goes viral um, um, mm-hmm. across different uh, cultures and societies and and we sort of create things that don't really exist in the world. So um, I, I, yeah, it, it, it's, it's really amazing how um, storytelling is a tool 
uh, a tool for change, a tool for remodeling the world, a tool for uh, seeing the world as it is and seeing it as it should be, and maybe even envisioning mm-hmm. things that don't even um, might not even physically be proven to exist, um, mm-hmm. and, and then working towards these idealistic um, 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 goals and, and, and visions. Um, and then I think as, as a species, we, we do strive towards um, new frontiers, um, new spaces, new realities, yeah. and it always, always begins with some sort of a story of, of what's wrong and what should be. So it's, it's identifying problems, um, creating a story around that, and also coming up with solutions and creating stories around that. So um, f- for me, um, I think given that framework for thinking, it, it really just does make sense um, how mm-hmm. our industry has come to be and some of the strengths um, that I think designers bring to the the world of problem problem solving, and I think the one sobering reality is that we as designers are not the only solutionists. Um, we work with multidisciplinary people um, who are yeah. bringing different perspectives to the stories that we are building. I think our unique value is in our ability to tell those stories and make those stories go viral because we we mm-hmm. use pictures. And I'm using all these uh, metaphors and analogies, but in in my mind, a a picture would be a service blueprint, for example, or a wireframe, Mm -hmm. or um, a storyboard. And and these pictures go viral because they're easy to understand. Um, They they, they tell the story quite clearly. Um, They are um, easy to communicate to to other people. Um, I think they have the makings Mm -hmm. of of, of what uh, a a good story should be. Yeah, hmm. that's so true. Um, <clears throat> and one of the things that I, I think also is, is really, really amazing to, to sort of sit and think about is that regardless of, of you know, our specific discipline, like the, the story is almost where we, all our disciplines come together because it's the one thing that, that's sort of common to us. And one of the things that I think, one of the areas where I do think designers fall short a little bit is we tend to not really look to understand the stories of the other the other players you know the other sort of um solution people that we that we work with in multidisciplinary teams and i remember <clears throat> earlier in my career before i'd, I'd sort of worked mm-hmm. a lot with the developers i always used to feel like they were making my life un- unnecessarily difficult <laughs> it's like <laughs> i'm just trying i'm just here trying to make this you know this text have a gradient on it and then they're like, no, that's impossible. That's going to take us three or four days. And I'm like, why? It's going to make it look so beautiful. But when you actually take the time to, you know, sit down with a developer, talk to them about what they do, try to understand the challenges that they're trying to, they're trying to overcome. Mm-hmm. And you sort of engage with them at the level of the story that they experience. It sort of opens a whole new world. And then you can start to collaborate at, a, an, at an equal footing. And eventually the, the, the outcome from that <clears throat> is way better. It's much more effective. And the both of you can sort of feel like you're not fighting with each other the whole time. Because I think that's, that's like a very a very um, typical or archetypal um, yeah. situation between the whole I mean, design-developer so relationship. Yeah. 
Sadly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. definitely. And I, I think it does, it does uh, that arch- archetypal uh, relationship be- between dev, design, it does persist in some ways um, mm. in, in this sort of transition to service design. I think there, there are always um, these three pillars that, that tend to be true. And I think these were um, so constructed by um, IDEO. Um, the design thinking mm. agency, this idea around in order to uh, build some sort of an innovative solution that works, it has to consider what's desirable to a user, um, which tends to be our strength. It has to consider what's viable for businesses. And it also has to be um, something that is feasible, that can be can be built, right? Um, mm. I think that that conversation between those three pillars do persist. Um, in, in, in the space of service design, we are building these omnichannel experiences, but um, it's not worth the business's time if it's not going to be profitable or, or make the business yeah. money. Yeah. Um, it's also not worthwhile if it's it's not uh, we can't build it. So there are always going to be these ideal stories um, that we want to tell about what the most desirable solution should be for our users. Uh, but if we can't build mm-hmm. build it, um, is it really worth it? And I think that. Um, one of the unique challenges is is in taking these um, this these ideas, these concepts, and these solutions, and breaking them down into something that we can deliver in increments um, and, mm-hmm. and and improve the world um, so, sort of in increments. And I, um, it is a challenge because as the idealist, you're always wanting to get to that ideal situation. You always want to get to that um, you know that solution, but. Um, mm-hmm. it, Coming back to something that I have uh, sort of loathed, the reality of physics and, and mathematics and time and <laughs> efforts and tech, um, <laughs> you, you, you still have to bring it into the world, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, just yeah, a, a, it's just a reality. Back to, back to reality. <laughs> exactly. Don't yeah. we hate that? Yeah. I want to uh, touch on something that I, I or an observation um, that I find quite interesting, which is, all three of us have um, experience working in consultancy and also consulting in environments where teams are big, the stakes are big, um, the company itself is big, the money flowing through in and out, is it's big sums. Um, and now we're all three working for scale-ups. Mm-hmm. And why I find that also interesting is... Uh, you know, when you work for a consultancy, especially when you're consulting to a very large established brand or business, design has already proven to be impactful mm-hmm. and the value of designs almost already understood. I mean, we all know consultancies, companies pay a lot of money to consultancies to, to have designers there. Um, so the business understands where design fits in and the value of design. Where when you step into a space of either startup or scale up, that's a little bit different, which means us as the designers stepping into that space, our job becomes a little bit different because mm-hmm. now partially when we step into the space of a scale up or startup, a huge part of our job is also to prove and help um, illustrate what the value of design is in business and how mm-hmm. it actually translates to tangible impact. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to hear what your guys' experience have been, either of you, because I definitely feel that um, my job has become a lot more emotional in a very good way. Mm-hmm. Uh, stressful, not because it's faster paced, 
because that you can still have at a consultancy, but stressful because there's a lot more emotional attachment that you have because you know the, the, the outcome that you're trying to get is not just a good design for the customer, but it's also a little bit more invested in the internal um, workings of business, trying to show your impact or design's value, so to say. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant point, Steph. I mean, it's something that I'm also um, tackling head on in the spaces I find myself right now. And in my mind, there are sort of two distinct aspects to it. I think that there is a need for most designers to realize what their unique impact they're having in the business problem solving uh, process is. Um, in order to sort of differentiate, uh, which is I, I think that most most designers don't really struggle with usually. Um, I think we do know that it's about desirability. It's about creating these ideal um, journeys and experiences and reducing friction points or solving customer needs and pain points. Um, I think the other part is that how do you tie that back to business value, right? And how do you illustrate mm-hmm. the, the impact it has on that? And I think in order to do that, you really have to have... Um, some sort of a competence around understanding those business metrics that we are trying to move, mm, understanding the, yeah. the business models yeah. that you're working within. Um, and I've seen examples of, of designers who have done it well and designers who have sometimes even, sometimes unfortunately fell short of that, uh, where they've created these like illustrious presentations of, of, of these new experiences that totally rip apart the business model and, um, Really, I think in the minds of most executives and managers, the question would be in that moment, um, how is this going to benefit the business? Um, It sounds like a great experience, but um, the experiences have to be tied back to a profitable profitable business model. Um, So I think that um, understanding the metrics that we're trying to move, is it, are we trying to increase um, acquisition? Are we trying to increase conversions? Um, Do we want uh, to increase the, the lifetime value of, of our, our, our users. What are those business metrics we're trying to move? And what is the business model? And I think that um, going into an organization such as a startup or scale-up, um, it's easier to get closer to what the actual business model is. What is What brings this business money? What what brings us revenue? Um, and I think that um, th- that's a, th- great, a great starting point for um, a opportunity um, where a designer can ask themselves, how might I use my craft to uh, solve user problems and at the same time um, benefit the business um, and uh, you know to add value to to the to the business. Um, so I, I do think that there, there needs to be an understanding of metrics and and the business model in order to do that. Definitely. Yeah. No. I think Frank, you both of you, you you're, you're so right. It's it's, and I think especially, especially when you come from a, a big business, it's it's quite a shift because. When you're in a big business, sometimes you're 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 too far separated from the business model. Like you can't see yeah. each of the individual moving parts, <clears throat> and sort of track the actions of the business to where the money is actually made. Like if, for example, you know, I mean, we were both placed at Absa. If I think about what I'm doing on a day to day versus how Absa actually create uh, makes money, like it's not easy to make that connection. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you eventually move to a startup you're in this mindset that the business model is too far away from me, so I'm just not going to worry about it. But actually, when you do move to a smaller a smaller business, it just requires you to take the time to even just sit down with somebody and be like, 
hey, like I know maybe I should have known this before I joined the company, but can you just explain to me how does how do we make money? Like what what are the things we do to make money? And then one of the things that I found that helped me a lot is I almost conceptualize the business as a user and think about the pain points of the business. Like, you know, one of the main pain points would be the elements that form the main costs, like the the, the aspects that actually um, get in the way of, of customer acquisition. And you actually think about these as um, as user needs. And then the result of those gives you the metrics with which to actually prioritize your work and determine whether improving this experience actually helps the business. Because I think that's the one thing, <clears throat> especially, um, and not to throw shade, but especially in agencies, that's the one thing that I found a lot is that agencies don't, or creative people in agencies don't always think about the business impact of the things that they're doing and how simply creating, improving an experience does not necessarily mean you're creating business value. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that gap, I think, is a difference between a good designer and a person that's an asset to a business. Definitely. And when, I think when, it also, Alfie, mm-hmm. I just want to um, add on what you said about the agencies. You know, I think it also very much speaks to the environment that you and I, I don't want to say it's the designers that work at agency because I think, Alfie, you've worked at an agency. I have. Frank, I think Big Brave, was that an agency? Yeah. Yes, so we've all been there. Yes. But it's, it's, Brave. They don't enable the creatives. Mm-hmm. The, the model there doesn't enable creatives to to try and even make that connection. It's almost mm-hmm. intentionally distanced from that creative. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's just yeah. very important to note that it's it's not the creative themselves. It's and you mm-hmm. can change the environment, of course, but changing an environment is very difficult. It's easier to just go to yeah. another environment. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. <laughs> just just to add on to that point, Steph, um, um really, 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 really good uh, point that you're making there. And, and talking about just going to another environment, it's exactly what I did. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you experience a problem, and, and I, I guess it's a part of, in part um, when you are um, within that hierarchy or structure, um, the lower you are, and not to use that word negatively. The, the more difficult it is to have some sort of sustainable impact in, in the way things run in that process. You're almost mm-hmm. pushing up rather than um, I'm, I'm downwards. So, so that, that is a fact. Mm-hmm. I, I, I totally agree with your, your point, Steph. I, I think that, um, and then this is also a conversation I have with, with the product designers at, at Ikoka. It's that um, we, we, we sh- well, product design and service design, I'm not, I don't think should be in the business of um, um, essentially uh, accomplishing or completing tasks, which I think uh, tends mm-hmm. to be the model in, in some places is that a designer should make a yeah. screen and you become a screen factory and then that's what you just yeah. do or create a nice user experience. I think we we should be, and I think here's, here's the strength of our, our, our capabilities in um, creative human-centered problem solving. Um, and and, and it, it's only valuable in, a, in as far as it assists and the customers of a particular business, and a business cannot run without some sort of a profit. So it's almost like a, um, a some sort of a feedback loop, especially in this world of capitalism, where um, to make the users happy, the business needs to run. In order for the business to, business to run, the users have to be happy, and 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 that's where you come into that feedback loop and and, and create the mm-hmm. value. So um, I, I do think that there are systemic things, um, such as mm-hmm. briefs with a task list that make it 
difficult for, for some designers yeah. who sometimes might even have quite strong skill sets and inclinations yeah. to properly add value and problem solve. And if I'm oh. if, if I have a chat with any um, up and coming designer um, that's seeking to add more value in the space, I do think that um, putting your positioning yourself um, so that you are doing some thinking and problem solving and, and, and finding spaces or businesses where a design is not uh, valued just as a um, delivery asset, but more as a strategic um, uh, thinking, cool. um, yeah. you know, yeah. then you are really mm-hmm. positioning yourself for, 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 for success. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. I love that. And it makes me feel extremely grateful um, of the company that I'm with now. And uh, it's exactly to what you say. So the company I'm with now, Gobuni, and my my manager, we work quite closely together. And we, we're really trying to do exactly that is <clears throat> what you said is usually what happens is we get business and the stakeholders and leadership that sit for months at end creating some type of roadmap of where the business should go, where products should be. Then four months down the line, roadmap is established. Everyone is bought in. Now, solution for the roadmap. So you're just producing what has already been solutioned on. Where we're trying really hard, and it's such a tough balance because, you know, you have the book of work, the stuff that really needs to get out, that you need to work on, obviously. But finding time and prioritizing that design is almost the the thing that helps create the roadmap that helps Mm -hmm. um, make the decisions or at least challenge the things that even before the roadmap's established, we have the things that we can take to those conversations to enable um, questions and stories to, okay, cool, here's the roadmap. Now that design's already thought about as well and can be used to help create that vision, not reactively, but more proactively, so to say. And that's definitely the way the environment is set up. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I, I think I'm also, uh, in, in, uh, against uh, sort of speaking to that point, um, coming to realize that um, the leadership of a business will really determine um, just how that business runs and, and the cultures and processes within it. Yeah. Um, I think in my space, I've been privileged that uh, before I joined, an, an ex-Accenture um, individual was part of the executive team and uh, she, she was sort of the champion for, for design, design thinking and service design. And I was essentially the first design or design thinking higher in the business. Yeah. Um, it, it was sort of spearheaded wow. by her and um, it, it made it very easy to... Um, to, to be included in those conversations because at, at that mm. executive level, there was design mm-hmm. buy-in. And in some spaces, it might more, be more, more difficult. Um, but in our space, um, it's, it's really such a privilege that design's part of defining the roadmap, defining yeah. what problems we are solving, um, identifying opportunity areas in mm. markets, um, in, in user experience and, and defining that. And it, it sort of happens at different tiers because you might identify this huge problem to be solved, but how you solve it um, is, is, is another question. What features and functionality you build out? And we're trying to, and we're working towards uh, becoming a little bit more efficient at that in the business. Uh, but we definitely had a, a great starting point with um, design um, leadership at the executive level. Hmm. Um, yeah, that yeah. has been quite, quite, a, quite a nice privilege. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
so there there are a number of things that that, that we can co- kind of go off on but you know when we kind of first started the conversation there were there were two questions that I was hoping to to kind of um float by and um <laughs> the first was about the the sort of the impact that you aim to make as a service designer and we've sort of touched on that um quite a bit but the second was about what your actual work looks like because you know we've been speaking about strategy and making pictures but for anyone who doesn't do strategy when people mention strategy it's just like oh so like you're just you're making presentations and talking to people and and that's that's sort of like the the, the sum total of what people um, <laughs> exactly the sum total of what people um, understand so can you tell us a little bit about like um, some of the, the the like the core activities that you sort of do as a service designer or as an individual looking to transition into service design like what can they expect like what is their responsibility like what do they need to bring to the table okay cool um i'm i'm going to take it a phase at a time um mm-hmm. and and maybe walk from the beginning and and where some of those uh, starting points are within within the process um so so in my space um service design um is primarily the desirability pillar within the product um, team and the product leadership team and the product leadership team reports to um, executive. Um, I work quite closely with a product manager who is essentially the viability pillar within that team. And we work closely with the chief technology officer who's essentially playing the role of an architect who plays the feasibility, can we actually build it? Um, what actually makes sense from a scalability perspective? And we sort of have this ongoing conversation around what do our users want? What's the best experiences? What's good for business? And, and uh, as, we, as we go through the, through the financial year. Um, the way mm-hmm. in which I contribute to this conversation is starting um, with, there are, um, I think in my mind, uh, two, two, two to three ways that we are uh, given some sort of a strategic direction. I think one is the um, something is burning um, uh, uh, um, <laughs> input point, which is um, we are seeing a drastic drop off um, or uh, we are struggling to retain our users or um, our acquisition has has uh, has gone down, and that is essentially becomes an, an alarm alarm bell that uh, prompts mm-hmm. some sort of problem solving. We have to solve that problem. How do we solve the problem? And that kicks off the the process. That's one aspect. Another aspect is more um, sort of opportunity identifying and. Uh, very large-scale strategic directions from the business. Um, and, and that's mm-hmm. just the beauty of, 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 of business leadership is that they are their mandate is to foresee what the industry um, um, looks like um, or what they want to what they want Ikoka to be in the industry and give us some sort of a direction around where we should be heading, um, some sort of a strategic um, direction. How and what we do, I think a lot of it is um, defined in that uh, creative human-centered problem solving, um, and um, w- within the, the the tech space, they have their methods. Within the product management space, they have their methods, and it's an ongoing conversation. So I'll say, uh, problem or pain points, uh, something is burning, and also opportunity areas. Um, and and my role within that is to use um, design thinking to facilitate how might we solve that problem. So I uh, framing mm-hmm. that challenge. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, doing some form of observation or research to understand 
uh, why that problem exists. So a lot of the data will tell us what's going on. Um, a lot of the times, it will tell us um, um, what we should be doing or a list of the potential opportunities. And understanding why, who, how um, is what the qualitative and sometimes even quantitative research will allow us to do. So, so that's, that's, that's part of, of my role within that process. And I, I do not work alone. I, I do have a currently a research analyst that does a lot of the, mm-hmm. really the heavy lifting. And she's such, such a brilliant person at what she does uh, to, to do that understanding. Um, and we move through the various phases of the design thinking process. I think the key difference um, in my space as a service designer is that a lot of the um, the outputs of this insights, um, ideation, um, and validation will be very, very high level. So uh, we mm-hmm. might identify that there's an opportunity in a specific um, solution or solution concept, such as uh, we need a way to um, give our customers some sort of um, insights into how their business um, is doing and, and, and compare that to what's happening in industry, mm-hmm. for example. That's very high level. How it works, mm-hmm. what functionality um, needs to live within that, that's still um, I'm, I'm not defined. But we have identified a problem area or we have identified an opportunity within market and we are coming up with ideas to solve it. Um, in most cases, um, if it warrants, um, we, we might need to go into some sort of a service blueprinting to understand um, what needs to happen from an organizational operational level to enable that type of an experience for our users. So we will service blueprint and come up with the customer journey, um, take a look at what happens backstage to enable that, what uh, data and metrics do we need to be tracking against that uh, new and improved um, user experience. And sometimes it does lead to a little bit of a change in operational models um, mm-hmm. um, that enable that. Sometimes it's, it leads to a change in the architectural uh, processes and structures and working quite closely mm-hmm. with the architect to define what that should be. Um, but that's the level yeah. at which we define our, our solutions. Yeah. And, some, and a lot of times that leads to a year's worth or two years worth of um, solutions to build within the product teams. And the product designers wow. sort of take over from there, taking those sure. um, service blueprints and turning those into tangible um, solutions for our users and customers. So it's a very tiered approach. Um, it starts with uh, mm-hmm. some sort of fire burning opportunity uh, uh, being seen um, and then um, sort of distills into a solution that the product teams then begin to um, detail and, and, and build. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Amazing. I think that's quite interesting. Alfie and I have also spoken about um, our roles as designers more in the UX space where we often have to um, zoom in and zoom out, if I have to put it uh, shortly or in a short terms, um, where it sounds like to me, but correct me if I'm wrong, um, now that you've stepped into service design a few years back, and also especially because you're now more at a senior level, more at a management level, you have to zoom out even a lot more. Do you still have to get down to the ground and zoom back in? Or is it more just a zoomed out, higher level, uh, day-to-day job at the moment? Oh, definitely a lot of zooming in. Definitely a lot of zooming in. Uh, And I I think that uh, just going back to analogy of storytelling, um, one might come up with a high level uh, breakdown of the chapters um, and then in mind have 
something uh, that that story is solving, a, a type of narrative that story should tell. When it gets passed on to those who are sort of going to detail each page, um, mm-hmm. I, I think there's a need for ensuring that whatever we are creating is true to the problems we have identified, right? Um, so there's a lot of liaising between myself and the various teams. Also, um, you guys are very familiar with this. Um, within a lot of product teams, you have um, different pods or different squads, um, depending on, on, on the type of makeup that deliver on different aspects of the experience. I think, yet again, here's another beauty of service design is that instead of thinking about features or um, 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 different um, aspects of the experience. We have to think about the entire experience because that's how the customer experiences it, right? They don't go onto the app and stay there for the rest of their lives. They go to the app, they go in branch, they go online, and sometimes um, they move in between these quite seamlessly. And we have to create a way uh, to facilitate and enable that. And um, I think part of the zooming in is coordinating that all of these tie together quite well. It is ensuring that the problems that we have identified are actually being solved and those insights are carrying through quite well. I think another part in my space is that because I um, um, have a lot of product design experience, um, there's a lot of uh, mentorship and facilitation that happens around what are the best methods to use? How best can we um, extract value from our users and deliver on things that are, are value, valuable to them? Um, so, so there is mm-hmm. definitely a lot of uh, um, zooming in okay. uh, that happens in my space. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay, cool. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so, so I actually have a question on that last point that you sort of mentioned about sort of um, using some of your past experience as a product designer in, in terms of mentorship. Um, so, I mean, mentorship is a, is a topic or a subject that I, I sort of spend a lot of time in, you know, both in the context of design and outside of the context of design. Um, but what I wanted to ask a little bit um, from your perspective is, like, do you, f- firstly, at the moment, do, do you have, like, a, a specific mentor? Because one of the things that I think um, quite a little bit about right now is once you start to s- step into, like, a mid to senior level, the amount of people who are more experienced than you in your field decreases, like that you work with directly. And, you know, eventually it gets to a point where you're the most senior person <laughs> in your in your discipline. But I'd assume that you still need some sort of like mentorship or some sort of um, guidance, be it around career, be it about how to solve specific problems. So do you at the moment have any sort of either a mentor within the business or outside of the business? What does that actually look like for you? Yeah, definitely within the business, um, I I do have um, mentorship um, and a mentorship circle. Um, I I think the the shape that it has taken now, it, it has moved more away from design mentorship, which I had a lot of back at Accenture, um, into the space Mm -hmm. where I I think that within a startup, we are presented with a very tangible problems um, in in the industry. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, just to elaborate on that, in the consulting space, what I find is, or what I found was that we created a lot of idealistic ideas and we did not really get the, a lot of, especially in more strategic roles in, 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 in consultancy, to deliver it to customer, see the impact. And also there's an abstraction that comes with not being part of the organization you're solving a problem for. You can literally go there, create this great thing and then leave. And it's up to 
whatever business you've, you've entered into to deliver it. And I think that a lot of the areas in which I've had to upskill, learn and grow has been in mm-hmm. really, really, really building stuff. And really, really hearing from the customers and um, having to live with the decisions you make, right? And iterate and improve <laughs> on it. <laughs> so yeah. um, it's, 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 it's fascinating. You, you, we're dealing with business, with business owners who um, really depend on our business for their for their uh, essential their salaries their their mm. the, the money that they use to to live and when that is withheld for some reason or not um, it is it really has an impact on on them so you are a little bit more closer to human uh, impact and that brings with yeah. it a lot of challenges um, you're also so, close mm-hmm. to a business that is striving and wanting to grow and extremely competitive in the space. And that brings with it a new set of unknowns. And I think that I've, I've been privileged enough within the business to have um, mentorship uh, from people who have been doing it for a while. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think that the, 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 the unique thing I'm learning is how we marrying design to uh, the growth of a business, to a sustainable business, to sustainable operations. Um, I can no longer... Mm-hmm. Uh, toss the hot potato and 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 skip. Yeah. You know, I have to I have to stick around and see it through. Yeah. So it's it's uh, it's yeah. amazing space. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you know, I think the only thing I hate about this conversation is that unfortunately we are on a clock. We all three live in a beautiful country, but apart from managing the three of our calendars, we are also managing the schedule of load trading. So I think this makes it a good place to maybe just close and say, uh, this was so great, Frank. I think we'll definitely Mm -hmm. chat to you again in the future. Um, It's really hard to stop here. But yeah, yeah, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, guys. It was, it was such a great uh, opportunity to chat with you. Um, this week, I, I did some tallying on, on what the things I enjoy versus the things I, I don't enjoy just to mm-hmm. sort of optimize my happiness. And one of that is just having um, conversations about design with people who are in the space. So I um, really mm-hmm. appreciate it, guys. Had so much fun and look forward to doing it again. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, Definitely. To close, can you maybe give the listeners an idea of where they can find you if they want to reach out to you and continue this conversation or just talk to you about other stuff? Okay. There's there's only one platform you can find me on, and that's LinkedIn. I am not <laughs> a big social media person anymore. So um, just DM me on LinkedIn, um, and, and, and let's continue the conversation. Always, always Amazing. Amazing. There you guys have it. And thanks for listening. Um, Frank, I just want to say thanks for for chatting. And I'm definitely personally going to be reaching out to you. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation. And I kind of get why people at Freethinking sort of thought we might be somehow related or connected (laughs) in some kind of way. I think we... It finally makes sense. Yeah, definitely. definitely. But thanks for your time. Cool. Thanks, guys. Cheers. And that's a wrap.